I would learn later in life that the deep, dark, lonely rabbit hole of our mind is also known as a triggered state. It is a feeling of complete powerlessness that the mind cannot handle, so it reassures you that you're not wrong or lonely or afraid. It tells you that you're right and everyone else is wrong. When all else fails, it's a coping mechanism. If only they would act the way we thought they should, the world would be a better place. I mean, come on, how hard is it? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. And today we have a very special guest, Kate Russell. Kate is the author of Down the Rabbit Hole, a memoir of abuse, addiction, and recovery. A tale of an abused child of alcoholics who becomes an addict herself and then gets sober. Kate's story is so important and I'm really excited. Kate reached out and volunteered to the Sober is Dope team in hopes to share her story of recovery. You know, we both had the same thing in common. The fact that we went through this process and at the end result, it's all about healing. So... I know by listening to Kate's story and reading her book, it brought me a lot of healing and it, it brought me a lot of insights. I learned a quite a lot, a quite a lot listening to Kate and um, reading her work. Um, and I and I study everything in addiction. So, you know, you learn something new every day. Kate, your book is so jam-packed with nugget after nugget after nugget it is a wealth of information and knowledge and thank you for being so transparent and sharing right and telling your story so honestly because sharing sometimes the up and downs that we go through with our family is hard sometimes it's easy to talk about ourselves but to talk about our family members and bring that reality back into the process of your recovery, addiction, and healing. Um, It helps so many other people. It helps people in the mental health space. It helps children of adult alcoholics and children of adult drug addicts. And I just want to thank you, Kate. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited. We have Kate on the line. I'm going to bring her in. You're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. We have a special guest, Kate Russell. With no further ado... Let's enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sober is Dope podcast. As promised, I have the amazing Kate Russell on the line. Kate, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. What a great introduction. Kate, I'm so, I want to say a few things like with the materials, your book, first of all, your book is excellent. It it touched me in a way with the, the subject matter, how you deliver it, as much ground as you cover. It's just, um, immense value for the recovery community. So I'm excited to pick your brain today. Thank you. You're welcome. So first thing I want to ask you, Kate, um, what inspired you to write this memoir? And while answering that, could you just give the SoBizDo community a brief background on who you are? Yeah, my name is Kate Russell. Uh, my memoir is titled Down the Rabbit Hole, a memoir of abuse, addiction, and recovery. Um, 
I, well, I live in Los Angeles right now. I've lived here for about, oh gosh, 16 years now. Uh, I'm originally from Connecticut, Middletown, Connecticut. Um, I uh, moved out here right after college. So I've been here, like I said, <laughs> oh, just gave away my age. Um, <laughs> I am also an actress, although I go under a different name for acting. Um, uh, I, uh, let's see. Yeah, I, 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 I always this is my first memoir but I also have a blog uh Kate Russell author.com I I love to write and I've always loved to write but this is the first novel I've published uh and it was inspired by you know just I I always knew it was going to happen it wasn't inspired it just was always going to happen um uh when I was young I had a, a a very tumultuous life as you'll read about in the book and when that was happening I would hear, I, I don't want to sound like a crazy person and say the voice of God, but uh, what felt like a God voice with his hands on my shoulders, simply saying to me, this is all going to pay off someday. You're going to write about this and this is going to help other people. Um, because I was abused. My parents were drug addicts. Uh, I was a mother to my sister. My sister is five years younger than me. And my parents were either literally gone or gone in the sense of they were checked out <laughs> and, you know, uh, passed out, whatever it is. Yes. Um, so, uh, they weren't there. And, uh, and I, I was all, I was abused physically, um, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. Uh, but I had this faith and, you know, they say that faith is belief without proof. And so I had this very strong faith, this very strong feeling that everything was going to be okay. And it was all going to pay off. And I knew from that young age, I'm going to write a book about this because if I'm going through it, I'm not the only person. And if we share our experiences, we heal. And I learned that lesson over and over again throughout my life. As you keep reading uh, down the rabbit hole uh, towards the middle, you'll get to a, a chapter titled group and group was group therapy that they used to give us in sixth grade, wow. which is like, isn't that weird and crazy, but amazing? In a public school system, there were enough kids that came from broken homes that they found it necessary to have uh, group therapy where they would take sort of red flagged kids out of their classes for an hour and have them participate in group therapy. And I absolutely kept learning that sharing my uh, struggles relieved me of the burden of them uh, to some degree. <laughs> yes. Know. Yes. It helped. And so I very much encourage sharing and I do it maybe too much. Uh, and my sister is the same way. We never shied away from therapy or any kind of thing that could help us examine what was going on and thus heal from it. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, the, on the Sober's Though podcast, we're friends of therapy. We have episodes on therapy. We put a large emphasis on mental health. And yeah. also, um, I can relate with you in so many ways. First thing I want to say is that the inner God, I, I saw that you, uh, you say that in chapter 31, you talk about the inner God. Um, actually, that's um, part of your description, your book description. You, you say the inner God. And part of my story 
is God spoke to me when I was on my last leg. That's the, and that's the biggest part of my story. And I always say to people, I know it sounds supernatural. I don't want to sound crazy, but I call, mm-hmm. I called out to God and I heard a voice. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely you're not alone on that. And um, mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna touch on an important subject in recovery, and that's forgiveness. So you mentioned the the wicked witch, the sociopath dad, the suicidal dog, the loving grandma, and you you tie this all into self discovery and the theme of forgiveness. How does how did forgive how does forgiveness play into your recovery? And you know how do you value that in terms of recovery? You know, uh, my mother was maybe my major, most number one abuser growing up. Um, But as I got older and older, I naturally began to forgive her because I could see myself becoming her. Um, I was making choices. I was becoming more and more of an addict myself. And my mother was a very, very sick alcoholic from a very young age. She had me when she was 20 and I never knew her as anything other than a daily blackout drinker. She drank to blackout every night. She got very violent when she drank. Um, and the older I became and, you know, and I was, I was abused and hurt and hated her and I was a little kid, but as I got older, I started to see how the alcoholic mind works and my mind was working the same way. And I could almost, I just began to understand her more and more because I could feel my thoughts going in the same direction that I think her thoughts were going. Um, yes. Do you, do you, I'm sorry. Do you think that your thoughts were going in that direction because of the environment like without the alcoholic environment would would your thoughts naturally be that way no I think it was completely I think it was completely alcoholism you know it was not environmentally uh, it was not dependent upon what environment I environment I was in they call it you know geographics no it didn't matter but like I said you know like I was a little kid in a in an abusive home and I had this strong God voice and then I got older and moved away and I was a bad alcoholic. I was 3000 miles away from my mother and I was a bad alcoholic becoming more and more like her. And I just started to forgive because I understood. Yes. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Do you think your mom's alcoholism was fueled by the abusive nature of your father? Cause you described that in vivid detail in chapter 31 and you talk about your dad is being sociopathic, having a Rush Limbaugh kind of archetype of the, you know, the bravado, that male, masculine, narcissistic, dominant. Um, yeah. So do, do you think your, your mom was also in an abusive environment and that fueled her to drink? Or you just think it, they were just naturally both problematic in general? Yeah, a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, it fuels each other, doesn't it? Ab- you yes, know? yes. So one thing fuels the other thing. I think in a way she liked being in an abusive relationship and she would push his buttons to that point because then it made she like to be the victim she really liked uh that idea of you know i i say in the book several times her favorite phrase was don't beat me and it was like oh god because what she really wanted was for him to hit her because then she could call the cops because then she could paint herself as an abused wife because then and that would mean sympathy and that would mean you know oh you got to call out sick to work we understand oh you poor thing oh of course you drink of course you drink i would drink too if someone hit me so much you know okay okay yeah so it led to um alcoholic justification justified alcoholism yeah i think she was an alcoholic way before she met my dad and to be honest with you i don't know that he's 
an alcoholic. I, he's a something. He's a somethingaholic. He's a rageaholic. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, but it, I think he is. I just, I I can't, I don't know. He, 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 he puts things down. But as we may know, being in recovery, you can be a dry drunk. So that might be what he is. You know, I don't, he hasn't put down drinking. My knowledge, we do not talk anymore. Um, but uh, he's, he's something. Uh, and they killed each other. But she was, she was a major alcoholic and could not put it down. You know? Well, congrats on for, um, for give, extending forgiveness there with mom. And um, as far as making amends, you couldn't quite get there with dad. Um, but overall, how did you start to find peace within yourself in terms of your personal addiction? And what did that look like? You know, I surrendered completely when I decided to get sober. It was very hard. It was very humbling. Um, but peace has come slowly but steadily. Um, and then it and then it shows up. And when it does show up, I like to say things out, say it out loud. I like to share it because if I don't, I'll take it for granted. You know, uh, peace and gratitude come in 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 events or in you know. Oh, hey, I used to. Uh, I used to, you know, get mad at this and now I'm laughing at it. And like this, that's a huge change in attitude, yes. you know, that's a huge change in a positive direction in my attitude that I won't remember happened unless I tell people. So like it happened, like I, yeah, you know, if, if something like that happens, I say it out loud. Um, yeah. Peace is an ongoing, you know, I, I have to work for it every day. I maintain a very conscious contact with God uh, on a daily basis. And so that gives me peace, but I am wired um, to be an anxious person, to be an impatient person. And so I do have to constantly make the choice to go down the God path in my mind and not down the diseased path in my mind to go towards peace and not towards anxiety or worry or fear or anger or impatience. I have to make the choice and I do. Um, I do now. It's very easy when you're in recovery to make that choice. It's less easy to even recognize that that is a choice when you're out there and active using. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well said. Congratulations. So inspirational. Um, you know, I mirror the same sentiments in myself. And, um, and I'm so happy that we're at a point where we could, you know, uh, you know, share the God, the gospel of recovery, like I like to call it. And yeah. God is good. And you talk about gratitude. And that's one of the main things that we talk about on the Sober's Dope podcast. That's a form of therapy, a form of medicine. Um, we talk yeah. about the gratitude journal and being mindful and thankful. And this brings me to my next point. A lot of your book and the things, you know, the how you grew up, the household, the house of hell, the addiction, the generational issues there, um, we it all plays on the whole mental health theme, anxiety, stress, depression, uh, mental illness. And we just did an episode called Comorbid Alcoholism, where most people ignore this aspect, where you have a, health, a dual diagnosis, where you have some form of mental health symptom alongside of your addiction and most people ignore one or the other and they just say well my alcoholism is solely alcoholism but it may also be fueled by a mental health component 
do you recognize any mental illnesses or mental health aspects of your addiction, the family, your upbringing, your recovery? How does mental health play into your whole recovery and your story? Yeah, well, my mother was bipolar, but I believe that her alcoholism aided in that in the development of her bipolar diagnosis, you know, yes. of her bipolarism. Uh, they, they, everything feeds everything's a factor and so if you're poisoning your body constantly and you have a tendency towards depression then yeah you're going to be you know chronically depressed or you know bipolar or uh mania then it's gonna it's gonna exacerbate that um and so i think that's what happened with her i myself have had depression it's been di- it was diagnosed when i was like 16 and i take uh, uh lexapro for it um so i take pills for it i uh and and i actually tried to go off of them in sobriety and it was not a good idea okay. <laughs> now, if, if I had been I just I was just randomly crying and I in without even feeling sad it was just well I did feel sad but it was like I, I felt crazy is what happened I felt crazy um and I've been on some sort of antidepressant since long before I got sober so um and now I could now I could have rode that out and maybe that would have subsided, but I maybe was off of Lexapro for, I was maybe off of, you know, all antidepressants for maybe, oh, I don't know, three weeks, maybe a little less than that. And I just was like, no, no, this is, I don't, I, I stopped taking them because I thought they weren't working, but that's when you realize something was working. And then you, when you take it away and then you go, ah, oh. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on taking antidepressants a lot of people put a negative stigma on that and that's one of the most positive things we could do um to really respect our minds and you know help our neurotransmitter hormones get to a healthy level again and that's what antidepressants do um so congratulations on that and speaking openly about that because a lot of people may evade the question or not be honest i was on wellbutrin addition um, initially in my recovery they kept me on it for a year because i had really extremely low serotonin levels and um so it was important and it worked so you know that we're definitely proponents for um antidepressants and medication i just quick question how long have you been in recovery like sober dates and stuff like that yeah i'll be uh i'm coming up on nine years wow nine years uh yeah so yeah and i i mean i I'm surprised at that. I, I mean, I remember my first day or the, yeah, my first day and I was in tears and I kept, my biggest fear was that I was going to quote unquote fail. I wasn't going to be able to do it. That was my biggest fear. And, uh, uh, since being, and I also thought, and the reason I think that that scared me so much was because I thought, well, that's going to make me hate myself and it's going to make others think less of me. And I, in my experience, I can say, I think so highly of the people who go out and then come back. I think that takes so much courage uh, and so much humility. And I will say that that is a reason that has kept me in at times when the going gets tough because life still happens. And I just don't want to have to come back and raise my hand as a newcomer again because I don't know that I have that kind of humility. <laughs> I understand. I, I understand. And we talk about that a lot, Kate. Um, one is people we call it before rock bottom and i did an episode on this where people would relapse and they'll really want to get back on the wagon but the shame and the guilt compounded 
and just the embarrassment and a lot of this pressure they put on this they put on themselves. and I, I would say my advice to everyone in the recovery community is um i definitely get it i was one of those people i relapsed twice before i found success in recovery in my case, I'm seven years sober, almost eight. eight um, December makes eight years. And okay. yeah, definitely. So we every day is a struggle, but it's a blessing also. And it's a beautiful struggle because we're mindful. I'm, I try to stay mindful of the journey. And I always tell people, have a really good recollection and memory of the darkness. Because yeah. when you become healthy... You start to feel like maybe I got this, maybe just one. And that's that insidious nature of that monkey mind that likes to play with us. And what that does is it leads people down a really dark, what rabbit hole? Once again. Hole. <laughs> Bring it, back. bring it back so about the rabbit hole you said something interesting i want you to really get into this for the people of the, of the community i think you can help hundreds of thousands of people with this can you talk about the rabbit hole in relationship to the triggered state the rabbit yes. hole of the mind and that whole psychology that you was explaining so eloquently Yes, that's what down the rabbit hole means to me. It is go, it is falling down into a triggered state. I didn't know what a trigger state was until I was probably like 30 years old. And then I realized when, when I learned what it was, which is a triggered state is when you revert back to helpless child, childhood, child, like helplessness, like you felt in childhood, like say if you were abused and you just feel helpless and you, and it, you just go into this triggered place where there's like no coming out of it. And to me, it feels like being in the rabbit hole. Cause I feel like I'm stuck there and I can't, I don't know uh, how to get out of feeling this way, feeling this helplessness. And this, it, it used to happen to me. Like if somebody would mention my, I, one of my many struggles <laughs> in life was eating disorders. And if someone would mention, oh, you're eating that, it's going to make you fat, I would go right into a triggered state. And, and I just don't know how else to react except, except I feel helpless and alone and I want to cry and I'm so alone. It's terrible. So that's what down the rabbit hole is. And we all fall down that in our lives all, all the time. And I didn't even know what it was. And when I learned that, it was like, oh my God, that's what that's what that is there's a name for that I feel like that all the time all the time and then I looked back on my life and I I could point to exact times that's why maybe that helped inspire write the book too is because I can point to and I do so so many specific times in my life and I think that's what inspired me to write the book too is that I have memories of things and I think we remember things for a reason I think they should be shared if you have memories I think you remember things for a reason and so I could remember all these times I felt triggered and I was like there you go that's that's what my book is about it is about being triggered and and how to not be triggered how to come out of that you don't have to stay there and I didn't know that I didn't know that I don't think a lot of people do that there's a way out of feeling triggered and that that way is God you have to look to something outside of yourself that is more powerful than you because you are stuck in self when you are in a triggered state you are stuck I couldn't get out of my brain you know just feeling me 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 poor me sorry for me and then not you know to sound like oh it's a you know narcissistic or anything not at all just just stuck and you just have to reach outside yourself and God get me out of this God get me out of this and sometimes it's a climb you have to climb out of that rabbit hole and sometimes there's no ladder and you have to claw and dig and fight but you don't have to stay there and you can learn to not even go there in the first place and that again the answer to that is God um I don't go down that rabbit hole anymore I don't I don't have to I it's not a it's not even a 
an, an option. I don't even, it's not even a re it's not a reaction anymore. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't, it's, it's not exclusive to addicts. Everybody goes down that, that path of negative thinking in their mind that, you know, full of desperation, despair, and loneliness. Yes. And yes, yes. you don't, have to. you know, that you I almost got to a tear state because you do, I, you, of course you understand, but it's so important because what you're talking about fundamentally is fair. And I think fair and you talk about this fair disguises reason, you know, people. And, and I think that when you replace the fair and you use your companion, my companion like yours was God, a higher power, taking it outside of yourself. And that's, that's totally it's not narcissistic. It's absolutely a human thing to think that you have to face everything on your own or you're trapped inside your mind and your battles are solely your own and you don't have any resources. And and I and I just ask everyone out there. That's why I give you know Alcoholic Anonymous props. How they talk about you know um, feeling powerless over addiction, reaching to a higher power, and that's mm-hmm. so important. So it's always the fear, and how you trump that fear is God and that doubt, fear and doubt, and real and feeling like you have no outlet and no way of get, getting out of your mind. And um, I deal with that a lot in recoveries because you know. I get angry or I might get into a situation where my stress hormones are kick up. I may get angry and my adrenaline starts to pump and I feel like, you know, I have to react and then I, and I start stewing and then we call that ruminations. Your mind starts playing things over and over again, over and over and you get really stressed and bogged down. And then you have to remember, you know what? I can't drink as an outlet. I can't use. I have to stay sober. You know what? Let me give it to God. Let me take a deep breath and let me bring it down back to center. And I think that's how people like yourself and and I find um, success and recovery. So that uh, props to you. So much props to you, Kate. Lastly, some cope. Um, can you give us some tips on your like coping mechanisms, tools that you use? If it's meditation, prayer, what are your go-to tools that you use to stay mentally sane and in a healthy state of recovery? Yeah, I pray twice a day. I get up in the morning and I pray. And I recently finished the book Conversations with God, which is really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, in which uh, God says, uh, don't say please, please, please in your prayers. Say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and that changes your outlook. So now, and I used to, I used to, he goes, because you say please, please, please. And then your wishes don't come true. And then you think God doesn't exist. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's true. That's exactly right. <laughs> So instead of that, so I, when I pray, I say, thank you, God, for a sober day ahead of me. Thank you for, uh, uh, you know, for, for me getting to for a successful recording of this podcast tonight. Thank you for uh, my beautiful dog that I have. And uh, thank you for letting me be of service and taking away that which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellow man. Thank you for my dreams coming true. We act as if, you know, and then it happens because everything we want it is this is very the secret but it's it was in conversations with god and i think i just keep my you know you're saying what are your tools i just keep my spiritual life growing i just keep working on it i you know the conversations with god is one book i've read that is you know all all this stuff uh there's seat of the soul and i just like i like this stuff i like to keep looking within and 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 digging and searching and and learning and growing and uh so i do that in the morning i pray in the morning um and then I do, a, uh, I am now doing the, all 12, uh, I'm doing 12 steps every day. Um, uh, so I, uh, I, I, that includes a meditation 
uh, which involves another book called The Abundance Book, which I also highly recommend. And in it, there is the uh, abundance plan. It's the 40 day abundance plan, but I don't know if I'll ever stop because it's so great. Um, and I am not, I used to not be good at meditation. Um, and now it, with this, it's uh, meditate for 15 minutes on a passage in the book. And I just, I repeat the passage. I, and it's got 10 passages. So you just keep going through them. Um, and uh, I repeat it. I memorize it. I dissect it. I think about what each word means. I think about how that relates to me and my all re- my preconceived notions of what these words mean. And then I, I dig a little deeper and I, I, I talk it out. So my meditations, I'm sitting there talking to myself for 15 minutes like a nut, but <laughs> it works for me. And then I go journal about it. Um, and then, uh, I pray at night and I say, thank you uh, again. Thank you for all this. And, uh, I, yeah, that's my, my tools are to keep, keep growing, keep, they say you grow or you go keep moving forward. Um, or else, you know, you keep moving or you die. We're like sharks or, you know, so I just keep, keep going. Wow. You know? Wow. Thank you. You're awesome. And, um, yeah, I'm familiar <laughs> with conversations with God and also the, the, the seed of the soul. They talk about the pineal gland and, um, activating the soul out of the third eye DMT and the consciousness. I, I love all of that. A good book I want to throw to you is, um, for meditation. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called bliss more by light Watkins. Excellent Ooh. book. Um, Light Walk is Bliss More. He breaks down um, transcendental meditation and all the concepts. He removes all the myths and he he really gives it to you in a real digestible way because I think um, meditation is such a beautiful and important part of our humanity and healing, but it's very difficult for people. People make it very difficult and he's a pro. He studied under the best and he breaks it down. So that's a real good book out there for everyone. And yes, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. Now let's bring it to a bright note. We went to the darkness. We went to, we talked about your recovery. Now online, you are really, really good at the acting. I see you doing your clips and your readings. Can you tell us a little bit about your acting and your singing and your being a comedian? You're the, see this lady's the jack of all trades, the comedian, actress, singer. Um, yeah. Tell me more about that. That's so awesome. My acting name is Brenda Kate. So Kate's always in my name. Kate is my middle name. So, uh, yeah, I've, uh, been like I said out here oh god for 16 years I do uh you know I've had some some small tv roles and I did stand-up comedy for years and I haven't done it in a long time but I would not say no to going back to it I just haven't well right now it's a weird time but uh yeah I I love comedy um I am a singer and uh really miss musical theater really miss I really hope theater comes back too so I can <laughs> start auditioning for some musical theater again I just saw Hamilton and it blew my mind uh so <laughs> and inspired me to get back in the musical theater game I've done yeah but that's what my my dad is a stagehand so we grew up backstage uh and I I would just watch shows we were on the first national tour of Les Mis and then Miss Saigon and I would watch shows from the wings and go that's what I'm gonna do when I grow up that's what I want to do and I came out here to do focus more on tv and film and I love it and because of the weather I gotta say I I love LA weather it is too cold for me anywhere else I'm from Connecticut and it's too cold like <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah um but yeah uh, yeah, <laughs> and I put stuff out there. You know, we're all in quarantine now, so I do a lot of like 
self tapes and stuff and put them out there on Instagram. So. You're really good. You're really good. I can see you going to stick stick with it. I also do music. I, I do a lot. I, you know, I have a lot of things I'm into. And the number one underlying theme is consistency. And you never know when it's your day. And so you're, you know, stay consistent. And also, everyone out there, stay busy like Kate. Kate, that's part of how we stay sober. We stay. We use our creative mind to consistently produce and to stay busy and it's the most therapeutic thing we could ever do so Kate before we let you go and I just want to say thank you so much I will have you back on the podcast probably another thousand times because I have to pick that up you have the most amazing mind and I love it um could you just tell everyone where they could get the book tell them where they could find you on social media and just you know I give uh you know I turn the floor over to you yeah, uh, so it's again called Down the Rabbit Hole, a memoir of abuse, addiction, and recovery. And it's available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. Um, if you are a member of Kindle Unlimited, it is free. Otherwise, it's only $2.99. It is going to be coming out in an audiobook as well. I am just waiting for them to approve it. And they are very backed up because the quarantine seems to be everybody's excuse to publish their uh, audiobook. So they are backed up, but that is on the way. <laughs> Oh, and then, oh, yeah, so katerussellauthor.com, that's my blog. Uh, and then if you want to follow me on, uh, uh, let's see, Twitter, it's Brenda Kate. And Instagram, it's Brenda Kate Partello, P-A-R-T-E-L-L-O. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much, Kate. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sobers Dope Podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. Thank you to our beautiful guest, Kate Russell. And we'll catch you guys on the other side. <laughs>